Please be seated. May the meditation of our hearts and minds be acceptable to you, Lord God. <clears throat> just for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of Thomas, one of the 12 apostles we just heard about. You and the others have all been through an excruciating few weeks. Your teacher and your leader has been killed. The giant boulder that was placed in front of his tomb has been rolled away and his body is missing. And now you and the other 11, 11 brethren are telling you that your teacher, Jesus, appeared to them at dinner last night, showing them the wounds of his crucifixion. You weren't present at the dinner, so you didn't see this miracle firsthand. It's not that you dis distrust the apostles. You just haven't witnessed this remarkable event with your own eyes. So you have a few doubts. A few nights later, you and the other apostles are together again, and Jesus appears. This time, you see him with your own eyes. You see the wounds in his hands. Now you know for sure. It's him. He has risen. But because of your initial reticence, you will forever be known as Doubting Thomas. Today's gospel reading from John is generally viewed as a story about faith, believing even when you can't see what's right in front of you. When Thomas finally meets Jesus, the Lord says to him, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have faith. Many people interpret that to mean that if Thomas had been a man of true faith, he would have believed the apostles even before he saw Jesus again himself. So Thomas gets a bad rap for expressing some pretty reasonable doubts. Yet Thomas isn't questioning his belief in Jesus. He just had a few questions about what the other apostles saw that night. Thomas isn't the only figure in the Bible to have expressed doubts at one point in time or another. Moses expressed doubts to God that he could lead the people out of Israel. Sarah and Abraham went so far as to laugh when God told them that they were going to have a child despite their advanced ages. Matthew writes that early on, some of the apostles had doubts that Jesus was the Savior. In the book of Mark, he describes the apostles as doubting Mary Magdalene when she told them that the tomb was empty and Jesus' body was gone. None of these people had abandoned their faith. Like Thomas, they just simply had some doubts. So what if we look at the story of Thomas another way? What if we consider the fact that Thomas had doubts within his faith? It sounds counterintuitive, I know. But how could Thomas, or any of us for that matter, really have faith in God if we harbor doubts from time to time? The Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich wrote that affirming Jesus is Christ is a mixture of certitude and doubt. And that doubt is not always the opposite of faith, but actually an element of faith. So what if we don't look at doubt as antithetical to faith, but rather as a means of pushing us to look deeper, to help us identify what we truly believe, and to solidify our faith? Who among us has not had doubts at one time or another? How many times have you asked yourself, am I really qualified to take on this new job? Am I the right person to lead this team? Am I truly capable of raising a child? Will I make a good spouse? Is this the role God wants me to play? 
Any one of these doubts, if left to fester, could stop you in your tracks, leave you mired in the muck and unable to move forward. But raising doubts can also be a great motivator to dig a little deeper, seek the answers you need, and by doing so, make us more certain of what we truly believe. Ed Jarrett is the author of a blog called The Clay Jar. I didn't know much about him before I began research for the sermon, but he has a really interesting take on faith and doubt. He writes that much of his own growth has come in response to doubt, that doubt drives him to study and to seek resolution. It also turns him to prayer, seeking assurance of God's presence. He suggests that when we find ourselves questioning some aspect of our faith or the things we believe in, it's actually an opportunity to invest some time in considering what we are being challenged by and to seek to better understand it. He explains that in some cases, that study or introspection will remove our doubts. In other cases, it just offers more opportunity for further growth. One of the reasons I deeply admire the Episcopal Church is that it welcomes questions. It doesn't require me to be 100% certain all the time. We are encouraged to talk about the lessons in scripture, to consider different interpretations, and to challenge assumptions. The church I grew up in didn't welcome my questions, and as a result, I didn't grow there. If we can see doubt as a useful tool to help us discern our beliefs and not a hindrance to faith, we become even stronger. Rather than something to fear, doubt can be the catalyst for even more meaningful introspection and conversations about our faith, whether it's through our liturgy, our adult forums, even the Saturday men's group. The opportunity to talk about doubts is one of the best things about our youth group here at Christchurch. Three very bright young adults who are future leaders in our parish get together to discuss the fundamentals of church doctrine and the issues facing them as young people. They have the freedom to ask questions, and they continually humble us with their insights. They have doubts like the rest of us, but they're striving to go deep to understand the role of the church in the world today, its place in their lives, and their own beliefs. Because they are free to raise questions and express doubts, they will undoubtedly be much more grounded in their faith as adults. So I look at Thomas a little differently now. I no longer see doubt as an absence of faith, something that stops me from moving forward in my relationship with God. Instead, we can use our questions to look deeper, try harder, and draw closer to God. May it be so.